Hello, Questions Podcast listeners. This is episode 67 of the Questions Podcast. We're we're back, kind of. I'm sure, I'm sure somewhere we've even still got some spiritual minty freshness. We're going to have to dig deep, man. I, I think we're going to pull that minty freshness out of the barge of cold-blooded love. You, you got some cold-blooded love? Um, Again, a barge load. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell some people like... Like it is. Well, um, speaking of love of the not so cold blooded nature, yes, I got to meet your granddaughter this last week. Oh yeah, little She's baby a sweet Colby. Little thing, huh? She's a cutie. Yeah, that's a nice baby. Very much so. So, it, quick question. Yeah. So when your wife saw the baby and oh, of course, she told baby? me. She told me that night. Don't you think we should have another one? Ooh, man. Mm. Mm. Yeah? I'm the cold-blooded one. The cold-hearted well, one. She's not the one home being homeschooled, Dad. That's why. Well, the kids are out for the summer, so that's good. I know. But, I mean, she gets to escape to that, you know. Oh, the COVID unit. I'm sure that that's escape. COVID unit. Yeah. I mean, she's, boy, it's just like a picnic over there. It's like the Disneyland of nursing. Yeah, I'm sure. Not so much. Anyway, so uh, it's been like a month since we recorded a podcast. That's my fault because of the the chaos that is 2020. Does this year feel like it's like time has slowed to a pace where a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day? Um, well, let me just say this. Yeah, because it's like a root canal. It goes on forever. <laughs> a root yeah. canal with no pain medication. Yeah, or you know, a root canal where they don't quite get it numb enough. So it's like you're in pain, you're uncomfortable, but once in a while they hit the nerve. Uh, That's what this year's like. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You know what? One of my favorite memes from 2020 has been because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. Which one's your favorite? Uh, so far, uh, one of my favorites is the uh, Back to the Future one. Yeah, where Doc Brown is looking at Marty and goes, "And whatever you do, don't go to 2020." Yeah, and then I uh, I saw a guy's tweet this morning, and he says, proof that time machines do not exist, 2020. Because if they did, someone would have come back and told us, yeah, don't. Yeah, just do not pass go, do not collect $200. That's for sure. Well, you and I are social distancing since we're doing this over FaceTime again. Oh, we are so safe. We are, which is oh, good because you got the swab up the nose. I didn't get a swab. Oh, they, they didn't do the swab? That's good. No, I had this little fever for like three hours, took two Tylenol, uh huh, and it was gone. But I made the mistake of calling the doctor. Because mm. I just wanted to know, like, if my head started spinning or blood started running out of my mirror, what was I looking for if I had to go to the ER? I, it, none of this 20, this nonsense of, you know, COVID and horrible things happening Normally, in this situation, I would have just stayed away from everybody and, you know, had a cheeseburger and enjoyed my life. But because they've got everybody freaked out, and I didn't want to freak anybody else out, I I talked to the doctor. And he said, you don't have COVID. It doesn't, you don't have any of the symptoms, but you should probably just go get a test. So I was thinking I was going to get a swab up my nose. It was drive through but there was no in and out waffle fries or Chick-fil-A. No, yeah, so, no, no Chick-fil-A in and out or no Chick-fil-A waffle fries. So I've talked with some people who did have the test and it was the swab up the nose. They said it was like 
they don't just send a swab up your nose. They like send it back into the back of your brain as far as they possibly can. So if they didn't do that to you, what did they do? So they told me it was awesome because I'm not going to go into which geographical background my instructor was from, but they were having a really rough time with English. Okay. So I, it took like three times for me to understand what they wanted me to do. And then they like told me to drive in my truck and park. Everybody else just got their swab and left. I had to drive and park in my truck. They were profiling had, you. You had a truck. There you go. Yeah. I know. Gosh. It's like, you know, yeah, stick it to Whitey. So anyway, I'm not even white anyway. So um, they had me swish in a cup and spit that out. And then, um, like swish, what water, just water in a little Dixie cup. Okay. And then they had like this sample bottle and I'm looking at the sample bottle and they go, yeah, we want you to cough and then spit into the bottle. I'm like, spit in there. And so I go, you want me to hock a loogie in there? And they're like, she's looking at me. Cause evidently the part of the world she grew up in there, hocking a loogie was not a thing. And then, but there was a person, a native Californian in the background that interpreted for us. And he goes, yeah, hockaloogie, bro. I'm like, okay, I got that. So I can I do that in there. And, um, then I was told my sample was not large enough. So I had to summon from the depths of my body, um, the phlegm and boy, the second time it was plenty. So anyway, man, yeah, and then, but I was, I was actually praising Jesus because I don't like things stuck up my nose. Yeah, have you ever had to have the the throat scope? Yes, uh, and my nose bled for two days. It's terrible. I was you're gonna feel very some, you're gonna feel some slight pressure. Yeah, no, that's more than yeah. slight pressure. That's painful. I've had to have that probably six times. It was terrible. I had to be brave. You know why? Why during that one? I knew that the doctor who was looking at me, I heard from the grapevine, because I got, I got people that he had cancer, like inoperable cancer. And I go in there, I'm all, hey, dude, you know, what's going on? You know, laughing and joking and this and that. And they thought I had cancer. Wait, so this and is he, the doctor that you went and saw had cancer? Yes. At the this time that you saw him or he ago. overcame it? Years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. He had uh some kind of gnarly cancer you couldn't operate on. And so I went in there and I was just, you know, being me and telling jokes and stuff. And he goes, Hey, you can't joke about this, man. This is like, you could have cancer. And I'm like, I'm actually not sweating it. I know where I'm going to go. Like if I die, I'm, I'm cool. I know where I'm going. And then I, I got, I'm, I crossed over the line and I said, what about you? I hear you're going to die. <laughs> and it, it it was like I hit him with a cricket bat, actually. And uh, we had a great conversation about Jesus and hope and heaven. And I would not put that out in my book of um, witnessing about Jesus' things. It was a spirit-led thing, I'd like to think. But we had a great time. And so he actually ended up coming to faith. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And then he died. You know, I would like to see the research on people— and their level of fear over COVID-19 or just death in general and whether or not they're people of faith or where the level of fear is in relationship to the level of faith. Because my assumption is going to be if they have 
faith in Jesus, their, their fear level is going to be lower, at least from the people that I interact with. Anecdotally, when I talk with people who are Christians, they're not so afraid of death, but people who don't believe are pretty afraid. And I've actually talked to some people who are like, they're absolutely convinced that COVID-19 is going to be the total annihilation of all civilization. And pretty much every person that I talk to that has that view is not really a churchgoer. Well, I mean, if schools are closed and Esco Gelato, that's pretty much the annihilation of much of civilization. All the good things of civilization. I praise Jesus. The donut shop's back open. Is it back open? Because, I mean, they started closing things down again this week. Well, Ninth Street was open when I drove by. I did not partake. All glory to Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I drove by Dan, the donut man shop today just to see if he needed to be encouraged, but he was closed. He probably sold out of donuts. Probably. Which is good for him and me both. Yeah, me too. Um, You you got any news? Have you put on weight during COVID? Oh, man. Well, I went on a vacation. Andrea and I and the kids, we went to Santa Barbara, which is where we saw baby Colby up near there. And um, let's just say I, I, wasn't, I wasn't watching what I was eating while I was on the trip. So today I'm fasting after feasting. Oh, so kind of more of a high-fat, low-fiber diet. Maybe high-fat, high-fiber, high-everything. Yeah, just a little of everything. A little of everything. Delight I made the mistake. I made the mistake. We went to the store to pick up some, some provisions. And I was walking through the store, and I took a turn down the freezer aisle. And they had a sale on moose tracks. Ooh. It, so what's normally four ninety nine was two ninety nine, and And, and you being a thrifty shopper. And, of course, it wasn't just four ninety nine marked down to two ninety nine. It was four ninety nine marked down to two ninety nine, and then buy one, get one, half off kind of a thing. I thought, well, you know, I got to save money. And I, I basically just, I picked up the same sort of reasoning that my wife always uses, which is, that's a really good sale, and you got to capture that savings. So, so I bought ice cream. And then once you have ice cream, there's no sense in having self-control, because my philosophy is self-control ends when you leave the supermarket with the container of ice cream. There's no more self-control. Self-control starts at the supermarket. And if you don't make it out of the supermarket uh, without engaging the self-control, forget it. You're just going to eat it, which I did. It's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Man. But well, it tasted good. I mean, good. you know, you're on vacation. Yeah, that's what my wife told me. you got to well, enjoy what else, it. What else is there to do when you're in COVID lockdown, you're stuck in... Santa Barbara, which is, let's be real honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of bad things that can happen there in Santa Barbara. I mean, you could get a sunburn. You could. I did. I, uh, I just, I just found out just a few minutes ago that my uh, phone is getting ready to die. I better charge that thing up while I'm talking to you. Oh, we can't possibly have your phone die in the middle of a podcast episode. No, I mean, that would be like the presidential election stopping. Mm. There are some people who are afraid that the presidential election is going to stop. Well, yeah, I I guess it didn't stop for anything else. Yeah, no. I mean, speaking of which, do you do you have any news stories? Should we do an in the news segment? Do I? No, I'm not watching any news. Oh, that's right. We're supposed to be staying away from the news. news filtered to me by other people, but I've been trying to resist. So if people have given you some news. 
Well, they've tried to. Have you have you had some feedback from some of our people who are doing the uh, thirty day social thirty one day social distancing from social media and news media thing? Has anybody been giving you some feedback on how it's been helping? Uh, you know, not really yet. I mean, I get some. I get some. Here's what I'm getting. I'm getting people who know me send me text messages, and um, here's what the general consensus is: um, it's a lot harder than they thought. Yes. And, and then the social media thing, see, my big thing on the social media thing was because so much, there's so much bad news on social media or so many things that get, you know, perpetuated on social media that just isn't true. And then that gets you all grieved too. So it's kind of news, more fake news. And then there's arguing and things like that that go on. So I try to stay away from that. I said, so let's just leave it all alone. And then, but the second part is, is I know people that pick up and look at their social media like every 30 seconds. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, we'll take that time and we'll give that to Jesus. So I'm getting good feedback on that. Not everybody's been able to stay strong though, bro, I'll tell you. Well, that's for sure. Well, because we want to try and help people to continue to stay strong, maybe we should do an in the news segment and I'll give people the, the important news that they need to know about. Well, we're going to give them the sanctified news. All right. Filter. Well, then let's do our let's do our little song then. All right. In, In the, the news, news, Florida man <laughs> crashes into a church and sets it on fire with parishioners inside. Says sheriff. This was a few days ago. Florida man was arrested Sunday after plowing his vehicle into a Catholic church and then setting the building on fire as parishioners were inside for mass. Oh, this was on Saturday, not on Sunday, according to officials. So it had to be Florida. And this was at the, the Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Osala. I don't know. Ocala? Why, why was he doing this? Maybe he was upset that they were having church when they shouldn't be because of COVID-19. Uh, I'm I'm searching the news story here to see what happened. So he did some damage. Danger people's lives with your car with a disease like one in a thousand people die from it or something. Ooh, like that. well, this will tell you some some interesting tidbits about the man from Texas. Stephen oh. Anthony Shields, 24 years old, referred to himself as King and claimed to be on a mission. He told the detective he has problems with the Catholic Church, according to the affidavit. Really. Interesting. Problems with the Catholic Church. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> Lost pig stops traffic on Virginia interstate. There's video of that one. Well, that's that's one our listeners should definitely be praying for. Man, oh man. Uh, Louisiana man, Louisiana man charged. After swimming in the Bass Pro Shop Aquarium. <laughs> oh, okay. We got. Can we send him like a gift basket or something? Oh goodness! No, that is, dude. That's legit. You don't think alcohol was involved? Oh man! Oh man! He's from Louisiana. You know, the last time I was in Louisiana, I noticed, and this may be different now because this is about. 15. Hang on a second. Last time you were in Louisiana, didn't you get arrested or something? I almost did. That's an interesting and funny story, but this is not that part of the okay. story. 
They yeah. thought you were Victor Marks, probably. So 15 yeah. years ago, I th- somewhere around there, the last time I was in Louisiana, uh, I noted that they sell drinks in the form of drinks with spirits, you know, alcoholic drinks. They Evil. serve them. They serve them in drive throughs There's something about that that just doesn't make sense. Hmm. I'm thinking mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving would have a problem with drive through daiquiri shops. But hey, you know, I ain't from Louisiana. Well, I'm supposed if you could wait till you got home, I guess you'd be okay. But I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how many drive throughs you do. Well, also in the news, um, the government's working on a second stimulus check. Oh, really? There you go. More taxation and inflation. Did you do anything special with your stimulus check? No, it's in the bank. You know what I did with my stimulus check? You, I don't know. What did you do? It's so funny. Between my wife and I's, you know, combined stimulus check, we were able to, we paid our 2019 taxes. Oh, good job. That's what we owe. Wow, that's smart. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. That works out. Yeah. Wow. Did you hear about um, what happened to Twitter? No. So this is big in the news. Twitter, one of the social media things that we're social distancing from, or supposed to be social distancing from, apparently some hackers bribed someone inside of Twitter to give them access to an inside program that apparently Twitter has that makes it possible for them to put out messages on basically any Twitter user's account, I guess, somehow, and they put messages out on Joe Biden's Twitter account using pretending they were Joe Biden and Elon Musk's and a whole bunch of other high-level people and and basically did this big fraud to get Bitcoin, which isn't doing all that great anyways. But, uh, yeah, so they they basically caused Twitter to be shut down yesterday. So that was kind of big news. I don't really does understand that, all of it. I does, that upset, does that make you angry or does that make you chuckle? It makes me laugh. Yeah. Although, although it's pretty dangerous if if they can if they can get into basically any person's Twitter and put out a message. I mean, you could you could probably pro- cause some problems. Although maybe Trump could claim of the tweets that cause him problems when he puts out a tweet, maybe he could claim that somebody else did that. It wasn't him. Well, maybe it's like maybe his wife's grabbing his phone or something. Or maybe you know what's funny? He's got a teenage son, doesn't he? Yeah. They maybe they should just give Baron his Twitter account. And let him fly. That'd be so fun. <laughs> what could I, possibly go wrong? Probably n- no more different than what's happened so far. Yeah, a lot of the the Twitter things though from our president are just pieces of a tweet. Yeah, but he does have some wonderful ones. I gotta say. So. I yeah. I saw an interesting thing the other day. Um, I won't say who they were because we're not political. Uh huh. But it was two politicians, and they're still very much in the front lines today. I mean, they're on every news channel pretty much every day. Okay. A quote from them: these two politicians, uh, and they're of the same party. And back when Ronald Reagan was in office, he was the devil. And it was showing some of the quotes these politicians had about Ronald Reagan. From back in the day. Back in the day. And these guys are still saying the same things today about our current president than they were saying about Ronald Reagan back then. 
I mean, you so, already betrayed yourself. You said you weren't going to mention the. Rid of these guys. You, you said know. you weren't going to mention the political party, but if they were writing bad things about the current president and Ronald Reagan, so clearly they're on the blue team. Well, okay, okay. And I'm not, but I'm not picking sides. I just thought it was interesting that these two were still saying the same things about a president back when. Where were you when Ronald Reagan was in office? I was like four. Oh, okay. See, I'm a little older than you. A little bit. A lot, lot older. So. Yeah. And I'm not picking sides in this thing. I just thought it was interesting that you're looking and you're going, these, and I'm sure it's on both sides, but these same politicians were saying the exact same thing. And I'm like, really? You've had 20-some years to come get with something new and you haven't? I mean, gosh. Oh, boy. Do you, do you, do you remember? We would be if we were political. Do you remember 7,000 years ago at the beginning of this year when I said that 2020 was going to be a year of chaos? Yes. And and I said that purely because, well, like 80% because I was thinking about the election, the presidential election, and how every election year is chaotic. But this one would be excessively chaotic. We haven't even gotten into the politics crazy of this year yet. I know. Well, you're... So I believe the Lord shared with you that chaos, the word, right. and the word for me was eternity. Uh-huh. Because everywhere I looked, and we've talked about that, but everywhere I, I, I was looking all these different places, and even many people in God's church did not seem to be thinking about eternity. I, I felt like it was a year that we needed to preach about, think about, be aware of eternity. And so uh, right now I'm thankful for eternity because I wouldn't want to live this forever. No, that's for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is quite literally a mixture of the Twilight Zone and Groundhog Day. It's kind of mashed together. With a little bit of Orwell and a little bit of Atlas Shrugged thrown in. Yeah, some Ayn Rand. I've been um, reading through that one. That one's prescient. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about the Andrew Murray thing. Yeah. Because every morning I do this little, I don't know if it's really a Devo, but hey, we're going to talk about this. or give Prayerminder.org. Yeah. But what's been interesting about it is the things that Andrew Murray was concerned about in the mid-1800s and late-1800s, many of those are the same type of things that we need to pray for. We don't change much. No, we tend to make the same mistakes. So, you know. What you, what are you doing in devotions right now? Well, I, mean, I, I have been... Studying, I know you're studying the Deuteronomy. I have been following your uh, prayer minder. I oh, like it. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I think it's it's very well done. Um, and then I've been reading several books on top of uh, just the normal stuff having to do with apologetics. So I've been thinking Ooh. through some uh, apologetic stuff. Hmm. Never apologize for something you didn't do. Yes. That's what the uh, the insurance card says. Do not admit blame. Only apologize if you've done something wrong. So we're in this crazy season at the children's house. Mm-hmm. And the event that kicked it all off was somebody running in the back of our Nissan Xterra. And the first thing I thought of when I got out of the car was you quoting that the other day. And I mean, I didn't need to apologize for anything. I was sitting at a stoplight, minding my own business. Yeah. When the, evidently the gravitational pull of my car uh, pulled two other cars into me. So anyway, that car is gone now. What a it bummer. Totaled they yeah. totaled it. Yeah. 
Wow. Now, you, you want to hear something crazy, though? Yeah. God still blessed me. You know why? Because four years ago, I paid $6,000 for that car. I put almost 40,000 miles on it. I probably put seven or 800 bucks into it, just maintenance. And they gave me $8,000 for that car. Wow. I mean, I'm thinking Dave Ramsey's probably going to need me to call me in as a consultant. Dude, that was pretty good. You know, drive for free. Good job. Yeah. So I, I have to admit, I had a little attachment to that car. Is it, they it was a nice vehicle. To the, um, the tow truck. And I just, you know, I thought, man, you've been a good car. Thank you, Lord, for this good car. So now we, but now you know how it is. Remember your car got totaled out. Oh gosh. Yeah. Right after you fixed it too, right? Oh yeah. We, well, no, right. Well, okay. Both after we fixed it and, um, like a month after we paid it off. Yeah. So, so yeah, it might've been long since paid off. They gave me a lot of money for that though. Like $11,000 worth, which was great. Yeah. I mean, gosh. So anyway, and then, but you, then you had to go buy another car. Right. And the problem is, is the another car is not $11,000. No, it's not. So then all of a sudden you have a payment again. We're, we're almost done with the payments on this car. I'm very excited. That but thing's going to die any day. No, now. don't say no. that. Don't no. say that. Don't say no. that. You know, the good news is I think Andrea knows what kind of car she wants now. Maybe. Yeah. Sprinter van. Oops. I got that. I got dinging stuff going on here. We have to do not disturb. Boom. There we go. Yeah, I didn't take that off when I did a podcast with alternatives. Uh-oh. And it dinged like uh, evidently my bike guys were discussing something hot and heavy and so there was like 10 dings on there. But Well, we speaking got- about discussing hot and heavy things, maybe we should do some questions for the questions podcast. Sure, I'm sure we're bound to cause some trouble with this. Question number 1. I'm ready. What are the three heavens? Moose tracks, <laughs> caramel moose tracks, mint chip moose tracks. <laughs> okay. I, you know, yeah. Uh, I, there might be a, perhaps a, another religion we're talking about with the three heavens. Well, I mean, there, there is a concept from Christian theology about three heavens, but normally when you hear about the three heavens, you think of um, uh, Mormonism. The Latter-day Saints, because the Latter-day Saints have the, what is it, celestial, telestial, I don't, I don't remember all three of them. But you do remember, Paul says in one of his letters to the Corinthians that he was, I knew a man 14 years ago who was caught up into the third heaven. That's true. I remember that saying. Is that, do you think that's where our LDS people got that? I think probably, but I think also that's probably where this question is coming from. So, mm. yes. All so right. there is, well, a th- then, you know, you let's get conceptual for a moment, okay? Because you said there was a concept in Christianity. I want to hear it, pray tell. Well, the, that comes from Second Corinthians, I believe, and he's telling a story about somebody he knew, but it seems like he's talking maybe about himself. And a lot of commentators think he's talking about. Remember that whole incident when he was in Galatia, and somebody he got stoned, not like the 1960s era stoned, but stoned with rock stoned. Legit stoning. They thought he was dead. They left him for dead. And then he wasn't dead. He came back to life. There's some people who believe that during that period of time that Paul ended up caught up into the presence of God in heaven and had a heavenly vision. Oh, one of those like white light experiences. Right. So the general kind of view, the conception, the 
concept, shall we say, of the three heavens is there's the heavens that are the, just the skies around us that we look up into and we see the skies where birds fly. Those are the heavens. And then you have the heavens above that, which would be the outer space, if you will, where all the planets and stars are. That's another level of heaven. But then you have the heaven beyond that, which is the heaven where God dwells. So that would be considered the third heaven. But this is, of course, different than the Latter-day Saint theology on three heavens, which I don't really know because I'm not really a student of Latter-day Saint theology. Well, I'm pretty sure you have to be pregnant or have children to get to one of them. Hmm. They got a lot of crazy... Yeah. <clears throat> like one of my latest... You're coughing. You got the COVID-19? Oh, man, I got it. You caught me. Well, COVID you did have a test. We're waiting people. for the test results. No, I, I've got a little... I cough all the time, especially when I ride mountain bikes. Uh-huh. And um, I'm a cougher, especially when I ride mountain bikes. But when it's hot, I'll throw a cough out there. There you go. No, my lungs are feeling great. I feel like I could jump on a mountain bike right now. Well, that's great. Do you have any more um, ideas on three heavens? No, I'm good. Chocolate moose tracks, caramel moose tracks, mint moose tracks. That's what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah. Let's go with uh, number two regarding suicide. Ooh. Yeah. We have talked about that before. I have heard some people say... People who commit suicide will get to heaven, but they will lose their rewards. Is this true? Mark, what say you? I'm, I'm hearing a little Catholic influence in yeah. the background, mm-hmm. and I don't see a scriptural basis for that at all. Yeah, I but. can't think of one. And unfortunately, there are some people in Scripture that appear to have committed suicide, um, which is not a good thing, because... God ultimately is the determiner of our days, and we ought not to step into that area and take our own lives. But yeah, play, you, playing God is always a bad idea. Right. You could make the case that Samson, that he uh, and judges, that he took his life, but he also took the lives of a whole bunch of Philistines in the process. And then there's also a passage of Scripture, I believe in Second Kings, that talks about King Saul, which appears as though... He also tried to take his life, although there's discussion about that whole situation. Uh, but suicide is not God's will. I do not believe ever. No, 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 no. But I don't see any passage of Scripture that says that you'll necessarily lose your rewards in doing so. Yeah. and I mean, like talking about suicide practically, and we probably shouldn't spend too much time on this because it is in our, one of our other podcasts. Right. But, um. I just, but I can't let this go without being, you know, saying because I walk through this with people, and you know, I think the devil's whispering in somebody's ear and has been for a while, and they do this act, and I don't think they really realize the shrapnel that it leaves behind uh, in the family and the guilt, and um, it's bad, it's really bad because you hear people. You know that there are people that said, well, gosh, I could have reached out or wasn't I a good enough wife or wasn't I a good enough husband or all those things. And they're all, you know, I think they're they're things that are put there by the enemy. But regardless, um, it's 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 not an easy way out. It just creates more problems for other people. So, well, and and you mentioned that we've talked about this before on the questions podcast, just did a quick search at 
thequestionspodcast.com, and we talked about it three times on episode 30, episode 32, and episode 39. So we have this, this question comes up frequently, at least something to do with suicide. And unfortunately, it is something that, you know, this is one of those news stories that's really unfortunate in the midst of all the challenging things that have come upon people in 2020, the loss of jobs, the fear about uh, COVID-19, being locked up at home, all these things, we have seen an increase in suicide, which is a devastating and terrible effect as a result of everything that's been going on and not, not a good thing at all. Yeah. And one of the things that before my news fast, just so everybody knows I'm, you know, I'm being real here before the news fast, I remember reading uh, something from the, one of the doctors at one of the hospitals, but the County of San Diego saying that I think at the end of, it was April, we were already at our yearly attempts of suicide, a one year thing. And so I think that's definitely, you know, it's really hard for our leaders to know what to do, right? People lean different ways. Uh, and, uh, so they're, you know, and the truth needs to be out there. But I think that's one thing that maybe nobody really counted on as far as, you know, COVID deaths and thing. I think we're still under 400 COVID deaths in San Diego County. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but I got to be pretty close. I don't know. Yeah. You could do the research. But, um, you know, we have quite a bit of suicide, um, those things going on, just because of the amount of people we have in San Diego. And the other thing that I've been encountering, uh, sadly, is people who have been off of drugs uh, and or alcohol and their support system being taken away. And so these are people who Christ has been part of that restoration church being taken away in the support system. And sometimes their jobs, they're going back to those things with disastrous results. And so something we need to keep praying for is the church and figuring out how to reach out. So, yeah, so you were pretty right on on your numbers with COVID deaths in San Diego. COVID deaths in San Diego right now are at 448. And last year, um, well, 2018 numbers on suicides was 465. So we're almost about equal with those, but I don't know what 2020 has shown. It's a terrible situation. and um, Well, I think we're over 400. At least it was attempts at the time. And then um, the other one, um, well, and it's kind of interesting because I think 2017 flu season, Mm-hmm. regular let's call it the good old flu um that i think it was like 350 370 people died from that just regular old flu and there was no certainly no um uh benefit to reporting those cases whereas we some of the covid cases there's a little more uh financial let's say merit or financial benefit in reporting those as covid cases but Anyway, we won't go down that road. Oh, boy. Well, maybe at some point we will. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Number. Get me mad enough. Okay, next question. Number three. In a recent message, you, Miles, said that God sometimes says no to our prayers. How do we know when God is saying no? And how do we know we should stop persisting in prayer if the best prayers are persistent prayers? That actually goes back to an exact point from one of my messages. I think I made yeah. the point that... The best prayers are persistent prayers. So, good question. Uh, so, God, you use the example of Moses. He kept asking if he. We believe he kept asking if he could cruise into the promised land. That's right. That's right. And God said no. Yeah. Stop asking about this. So, um, how do we know when God is saying no? 
I, I guess generally we, I'm sure you've probably talked with people about this before too, that generally we think of God answering our prayers in three different ways. Yes, no, and not yet, or wait. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there have been, I don't know about you, I mean, you're spending a lot of time this month talking about prayer, doing the devotions at prayerminder.org. And uh, man, we had a lot of people sign up for that. Over 200 people signed up for that. Yeah, I wish more people opened up the videos, but they're getting it. They're yeah, getting it. well, so, I mean, I'm I'm looking at about 50% of the people are opening the emails. So that's good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Hey. Anyways, um, so prayer. Um, I There have been a number of times in my life where I've prayed about things, and it's been as if the Lord has said, just instantly, yes, I'm taking care of that. And then there are other times where it just seems like nothing's happening. So I just kind of take that as a wait, and I'm going to keep praying. And then there have been a few times where it's been very clear, a no. And sometimes the no for me has just come in the form of a closed door or no opportunity for that prayer to be fulfilled or just doesn't happen. Um, so, but I, when I think about God saying no, I think about, remember the story with uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy when they're, they're on their, well, Paul's second missionary journey and they're oh, yeah. going along, they cruising they along. They their travel plans. Yeah, he wanted to go into Asia and the Spirit forbade them. Then he wanted to go into Bithynia and the Lord didn't allow it. And so there was something standing in the way. And the Lord was just saying no by something standing in the way. I don't. The Bible's silent about what it was, but yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about God saying yes, no, or wait? What experiences have you had? So I think it's some good ways to kind of test the spirit, so to speak, when you're looking at a decision. Is one is it scriptural? I mean, if you're asking for something that's not scriptural, huh, you've already got your answer. <laughs> you can pray all day, but it's not. God is not gonna not gonna honor that you asking for something that is unbiblical uh, or harmful to others. I think that we have to be, you know, obvious that's a no brainer. Another way I know if I'm answering or seeking the information is sometimes it'll be confirmed uh, by others or by scripture. That's another way. Uh, But sometimes that still means no. Um, On a personal level, if you, you know, if you say it out loud and you kind of feel embarrassed to ask God about it, it's probably a no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> think about that you know um yeah i i but gosh um yeah i mean you want to be consistent like let's say you're praying for somebody else mm-hmm. their salvation um something like that i think you can make a really good case to just keep praying don't give up on them right, right. But, um, you know, if you're praying for a new car, <laughs> you know, and you can afford it, um, okay, maybe, maybe it's a maybe. But if you can't, it's probably a no. You know, it's God, I think a lot of times we'll use So you're saying answers, answers sometimes come just in the form of what is wise. What is the wise thing to do? Yeah, I, I, I like to move forward in wisdom. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I'll give you a call and I'll go, hey, Miles, what do you think about this, right? And it's not because I can't come up with my own answer. In the multitude way, of counselors, but, there is safety. Yeah, I, I think there's safety in a multitude of counselors. So um, you consistent in, I'll say this, be consistent in praying for other people, good things for other people, until you feel led not to. I would agree with that. And I mean, you know? and I think that if you don't have an answer, 
if there doesn't appear to be a clear no, if it's not against scripture, if it doesn't seem to be against wisdom, and there's not a clear yes, then you should continue to persist in prayer. Keep knocking. Ask, seek, and knock. Jesus taught that. And so trust that the Lord's going to lead and guide and direct. There have been times where I've been praying and it's as if the Lord, just like he did with Moses, said, all right, stop, stop on this one. I'm, I'm saying no. So Yeah, I, I call it like the spiritual dial tone. Mm. You know, like when you used to pick up those old Busy phones, signal or the dial tone? The dial tone's like, and <laughs> like, oh, God's not picking the phone up on that one. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's a, and I, I will say there are things that hinder your prayers. So, like, if you've got some grievous sin going on in your life, a lot of times it's like you're not going to hear anything from the Lord until you you straighten stuff out with Him. That's for sure. You know, so um, that can definitely hinder hearing from the Lord. So, yeah, I think we answered that. Yeah, number four. We don't hear much about Simon of Cyrene, who helped Jesus carry the cross. Was he black? What else do we know about him? It's a good question. Simon Cyrene, he was the one we believe who was called upon to help carry the cross of Jesus as he was going up to Golgotha, Calvary, to be crucified. And um, we don't know a ton about Simon of Cyrene. We know that Cyrene is in North Africa, and it is believed that most of the people from that region during that time had dark skin, so it's very plausible that Simon had dark skin. There's one other passage of Scripture that is um, often considered about Simon of Cyrene. There's a passage in Acts Acts chapter 1, or no, Acts chapter 13, um, where the church at Antioch, there was certain teachers and prophets among them. Saul of Tarsus was one of them, Paul the Apostle. But there was also Simon or Simeon who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene. And so there are some people who believe that that Simon there or Simeon there might be the same one that carried the cross of Jesus and others who believe that the Lucius of Cyrene may have been related to Simon who carried Jesus's cross. But other than that, we don't know a whole lot about him. Hmm. Hmm. We know he was strong enough to carry the cross. He was a burly dude. He was a helpful servant. Yeah. And he, he must've loved Jesus. There you go, man. Cause you don't carry Jesus's cross with all those Romans looking I mean, that had to have been a pretty... Well, if he disobeyed the Romans, he may have been the fourth man on the hill that day. Yeah, always a bad idea to disobey the Romans when in that in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> that situation. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, wow. But I think that's great. Now, my understanding, uh, Zipporah, Moses' yep, Moses' wife. wife. Was she of African descent? Well, Midian, that area is like southern Saudi Arabia, southwestern Saudi Arabia, so maybe very dark-skinned Arabic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think some people had an issue with that at one time. Biblically? I'm not sure. I'd yeah, like to go know. back and research that. I think I think they were giving him some static. Giving Moses some static. That. So you know, my brothers did their genetic test. Yeah. And we are like two percent from Africa. There you so, go. I, I'm two percent African. I don't think you can claim that. But Why okay. Not? I don't know. If I'm a rapper, my rapper name's gonna be two percent like the white milk. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great album? Two percent. That'd be a great rapper name. 
<laughs> okay, number five. Every, hey, everybody be looking at me like, oh, 2%. He's got an album out again. So I'd yeah. like to I'd like to hear that rap album. You go ahead, yeah. Mark. You do yeah. you. I'll I'll have to come up with something. Final question for today. What do you think about pastors supporting Black Lives Matter? Well, you know, we tried to not be political. I don't but, think this is political. Well, in some respects, I mean, it's a political active or activist group politically. All right, let's just get this one out of the way here with this point. Do the lives of black individuals matter? Yes. But, no argument. But the term and the organization Black Lives Matter means a whole lot more than that. It actually, I think, means less about Black Lives Matter uh, and Black America, because that's what we're talking about here, uh, and more about other issues. I mean, I if you read their website... I was just going there. Okay. Uh, and then you look at some of the groups they affiliate with, and I don't think these pastors really did their research... But they're flat out anti-church. Um, they are. Uh, it's hidden a little bit, but they're anti-Israel, uh, as we see it. Uh, in some ways, anti-family. Um, they are pro-abortion, which I think is a little crazy because uh, most of the cities that this Planned Parenthood thing are in are targeting. It appears from the neighborhoods they're in are tag- targeting. Uh, black infants. Um, so I, that seems a little bit counter wisdom. Um, so those are just some of the things on the surface that I don't agree with. Yes. And that's got nothing to do with color or anything like that. I, I, I honestly, I'm 57 years old. I was born in 1964 during the changes that so desperately needed to be made for civil rights, uh, for black Americans and other Americans of, of color. Um, but I've never had a person come up to me and overtly, um, I've never witnessed overtly real racism. And I'm not saying other people haven't, but I just, not like they're talking about. In fact, if I, yeah, anyway. Well, so, I, I mean, I, I think you're right on the whole, the organization Black Lives Matter is is a an organization that is committed to an agenda that, that I'm opposed to. Like, for instance, one of the things that they have on their about us section of their website is that we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. So they're against the nuclear family, which I think is important. And, um, and then they're, they're very much activists for a whole bunch of agenda items that I would disagree with. Um, Transgenderism. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of crazy uh, things. Thing. Yeah, all these things. But we wholeheartedly would say that the lives of black individuals and the lives of all people are very, very important, and they more than matter. They're yeah, individuals and, created in the image of God and worthy of dignity and respect and all those sort of things. And, and equality and all those right, things. I yeah. think that that's, that's, as a Christian, you, you cannot hold prejudice against people because of the color of their skin. Uh, that's just it's that's just Christianity 101. Um, I, one thing, another reason I do not support Black Lives Matter is um, 
I believe, besides them being anti-America, um, I believe that um, they lack wisdom because, um, let's face it, we're in a time of really hardship with the COVID-19 thing. That's a problem. COVID-19 is a problem, whether you believe it's a real problem or you're terrified of it. But, you know, people are under quarantine and things like that. And so they uh, took advantage of a situation that everybody agreed was a bad situation what happened to that George Floyd, George Floyd, uh, a bad situation, but rather waiting for it to unravel and hearing the whole story and uh, prosecuting this in the courts where that's where it belongs. Um, they took advantage of that and had people out and they were taking advantage, I think, of the fact that people were just cooped up and not doing well. And um, boy, um, did a lot of really bad, unwise things that disrupted America and divided America. I don't think those riots did anything to unite or to change anybody's mind about anything. I think it all it did is made people mad. Well, especially when, especially when you have the agreement of, I don't, I don't know a single person who saw what happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd, who thinks that that was just or righteous. I don't know anybody. So that would say that that was right. What happened? So that being the case, you have total agreement. I don't necessarily know that you need a protest to get everybody to agree with you that something needs to be done and dealt with and handled in a right way dealing with that whole thing. So, yeah, I think that some of the stuff that, well, I would say that a lot of the things that the organization, the activists associated with the organization Black Lives Matter are doing is setting us back as it relates to race relations and unity in the United States of America in 2020. So, Oh, I, I think they've set us back many years. And if any pastor wants to argue about that, I have one statistic I can give you right now. The amount of background checks this month for firearms purchases is almost 3 million more than it was last year. And 40% of those are first time buyers. Yes. And so people are scared. worried. They're yeah. scared. And um, they're not having a kumbaya moment. They're buying ammunition. Yeah, not not the best and, situation, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and no, I totally support, obviously, people's right to defend themselves in the Second Amendment and all that. Uh, but I'm just saying that is a reaction to something that is not – they're not getting the reaction of, hey, we want to get along and get to the bottom of this and let's see what the real problems are. And, um, you know, if there's real issues of racism – uh, let's sit down and talk about that and yeah. try to move forward in that. That's not what we're getting out of this. We're getting anger and fear and those things don't do, don't do us any good. So, True. So the question said, what do I, what do you think about pastors supporting black lives matter? I think that they may be ill-informed. I, I think that it's probably not the best thing to be doing to support the organization. If they want to make the statement, which you and I just affirmed and agreed that the lives of black people matter. Yeah, absolutely. We agree with that. But to support the organization, even, you know, at the edges, I think is a dangerous prospect. And I, I think it's ill-informed. And, and, you know, I talked with a number of pastors who seemed to be much in support of this. And uh, one of them encouraged me to read the, the, the book that's become a bestseller, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I read the book just so I could say I read the book. And um, 
I, the only thing I could come away from this book with was the understanding that in the opinion of the author and many of the people who are in support of this author is that um, racism in America is only possible if you're white, which I don't agree with. Um, number two, everything of American culture is effectively racist. So all of American structures, institutions, capitalism, you go down the list of all the things that we would consider to be American culture, all of it is entirely white supremacist and racist and basically needs to be completely deconstructed, which I think is uh, very disconcerting and I don't think helpful. Well, and the first thing that comes to mind is the term, this was existed long before you you were around, but limousine liberal. Mm. You have to remember that in this country we enjoy so many freedoms and laws that actually support equality and things like that. And that's unique to America. When you travel or you work with people from other parts of the globe, you quickly find out that America is an anomaly when it comes to this. And so I think we have to look at this. If, you know, people are, they're shouting globalism and things like this, like let's get real. Um, I've worked with people from, people all over the world and two things i've observed they're really important things i think one i worked on a fishing boat with people from four different races different cultural backgrounds different religious backgrounds different opinions on things and i think you know deep down there was probably some some dislike of the other's race in in you know uh with some of these people but we somehow managed to work for a common goal and our common goal in this instance was catch fish and make money, we somehow were able to all work together to be successful in our endeavor. And when we were successful working together and learned to work together through this, there were some actually real friendships and I think some real barriers that came down. But we had something in common that we were all working towards. And I think one of the things we're seeing right now in this you know, most blessed nation on the planet is we're really we're really talking about something that is uh, a it's a very relatively I don't want to minimize people's issues or or the discussion but in the sphere of what the world looks like America is doing a way better job than anybody else I can think of well and I think that the vast majority of Americans and everybody that I've talked to about these sort of things, if they, if we can identify specific areas of racism, racist actions, segregation, if we can identify those things, I don't know any Americans that aren't for trying to deal with those things and, and get rid of those things, specific things that need to be dealt with. Let's get rid of that. Let's deal with that. But it, some of this stuff is a distraction from actual state sponsored racist things that are happening in the world. For example, I saw a video this morning, which is going around on the internet right now, of um, some drone footage from one of these small little DJI drones of uh, Uyghur Muslims in Western China being uh, put on trains and taken to effectively concentration camps in China right now. And so this is happening as we speak, and we're totally distracted from some of these horrific things that are happening in other places. And yeah, are there things that we need to deal with in our own country? Yeah. But there are some really horrible state-sponsored systemic violence against people because of their ethnicity that is happening in other parts of the world. And that that's never gets real racism. About. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I do, and I, that's what I'm saying. I think we're, uh, I'm not saying there's no issue here, but 
the real issue, the issues that are getting people killed, those are being left addressed, uh, unaddressed, excuse right. me. I agree. And uh, there's, you know, the, and the other thing is if you and I are in China, let's say, as we'll call, they'll call us Caucasians, uh, we would be a minority, correct? Right. And so, um, there's just, it's, it's cultural. So much of the stuff is cultural around the world. And in America, we're so less likely to judge people, move people around, make life difficult for people because of the color of their skin or their culture as compared to almost every other nation you ever visit. Mm Um, I, I won't tell you which culture, but I worked on a boat one time with a 100% crew. I was one of the very few Americans on the boat from with this culture and race. And they were the most bigoted people I ever met on the planet openly towards other people. I had never experienced that. I had a large, um, I think a, a, a big inordinate amount of friends from South Africa because they came over in the 70s. I never once heard one of my friends or families from South Africa say anything disparaging about a person of color. And they were known as being one of the most racist countries on the planet, apartheid and all that. Um, My experience on this boat, I'd never seen anything like it. I experienced true racism, watched it, prejudice, the slurs, things like that. Um, And most of it in another language, but still, I watched that. So it exists in the world for sure. But I tell you what. And it exists in some people in our country, but they yeah. are an extreme minority. Right. Right. And so, and, and, I, and I think. Actually, our black friends, I'd love to hear their story. I totally am open to hearing yeah. that. And when, and, you, when you begin to label every single person who happens to have lighter skin, every single person who's white in America, when you begin to label them racist for things that are not overtly racist, I think it's going to backfire in the long run. It's not going to be helpful to the cause. It doesn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling no. being called that name, uh, you know. And then the other challenge I think we're having right now is, and why you and I have definitely stayed out of this thing, we can't even agree on the terms. Right. Nobody, nobody knows what the term racism means or prejudice means. I mean, there's a real term. It's in it's in Webster's, you know, in the dictionary. But nobody wants to agree on that. No, but even those we, even those definitions are being changed in dictionaries, which yeah, is frightening. So, how how can we agree and move forward when we can't even agree on the nomenclature, so to speak? Uh, you know the the basic things here. So I think it's things need to die down a little bit. But well, that's a big answer to a little question. Yes. No, I don't. I don't. I don't support Black Lives Matter as a movement. I think it's uh, very little about Black Lives, and it it uh, they support too many things that are anti God. Uh, anti-America uh, in anti-Mark. How's that sound? There you go. But, you know, people of color, yeah, let's talk about that and how can we fix this and how can we uh, how can we help? 100%, all ears, roll up the sleeves, let's make it happen. Well, with that, I'm sure we've gotten ourselves into a little bit of trouble. Who knows? I hope so. I'm getting bored here on COVID Watch. You know, I, I have to say that part of the reason that I've had a hard time getting to do a podcast recently is I haven't felt very funny. Everything I see is rather dis- distressing. See, I can make fun 
anything at any time. I mean, I can be getting my liver pulled out and I'm going to make jokes about it because that's how I deal with stuff. I make jokes about it and I laugh. So, yeah. Well, so, we'll plan on being back here next week. We have more questions to do. That's for sure. All right. If not, we'll make some stuff up. Absolutely. All right. Any parting words, Pastor Mark? Yeah. Tune in to PrayerMinder. PrayerMinder.org. Dot org. Let's pray together. PrayerMinder.org. Check it I'm, out. I am praying with my wife every morning, drinking coffee, you know, sweating great drops of blood. I mean, I've, I've got, I, I'm out there, bro. I am praying. So stuff's going to change. Well, Brother Mark, pray for me and your prayer requests. I, I will. All right. All, All right, right, everybody. God bless. Peace out. Wow.